Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing all right today? You guys good? You guys have a good Thanksgiving? Is it good? Good. Good to see you. I hope there weren't too many knife fights over the last piece of pie this last week or too many marriages broken up over football games. Hopefully there wasn't any of that. It's good to see you guys. Uh, we, we actually went down to San Antonio to, to visit some of my family, and it was actually the first time in a long time that my brother, my sister, and I were able to be together for a holiday, which is really cool. And You know, I just want to, just a little transparency, you know, my family has issues. How many of you guys would say your family has some issues? Come on now, let's be honest in here. And some of you are like, oh, Jesus, help us. <laughs> well, uh, this is what I've noticed, so in, in my family, you know, we have divorces, and we have we have family members that have struggled with substance abuse and other issues, other strongholds and trials. And it could be a recipe for a lot of drama. And I hope that your Thanksgiving didn't have too much drama in it. If you stayed away from politics, you were probably fine. But, but this is what I, I was reminded of when I was with my family and I was just having different conversations. And, and I don't know how it is for you, but you know, you go to meet with certain family members and you're already on edge because you're like, oh man, this could go one way or the other. Like this could be really, really bad if, if you're not careful. This is what I noticed is I was reminded that anytime you're around a situation like that and you begin to talk about the grace of Jesus and his love, that it changes the environment. Because no matter what different family members are going through, what their struggles were with other family members and all that, it, as soon as I just started talking, man, I'm just so thankful for the grace of Jesus in my life. It would just like shut down any possibility of, of steering the conversation in a negative direction. What I'm thankful for is we have way too much to agree about with the love of Jesus and his grace for us then we ever need to spend any amount of time arguing about anything else. Because his love and his grace is so powerful. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, today we're going we're gonna to get right into a chapter that we're reading this weekend actually in our Year of the Bible reading. And it's in Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bible apps, your Bibles with you, you guys can, can find that and then just hold on to that. Uh, let me give you a little bit of a brief ep- explanation of, of the book of Daniel. Basically, it's a book of history and prophecy. And this is taking place during a time when Israel is in exile. Uh, a lot of them in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar is the ruler at that time. And King Nebuchadnezzar, basically his goal is he wants to go. He wants to rule the world. And, and basically every place that he would go, he would take all the, the young people, the young men and the young women, and he would begin to indoctrinate them. He would begin to try to get them to believe the way that he believed, the way his people believed. And so he would go and he'd find the smartest, the brightest, the, the, the most handsome, the strongest people in any nation that he would invade. And he would bring them, and, and especially those that, that had potential for a lot of influence, he'd bring them very close to him and he began to try to indoctrinate them, teach them. And, and so the story we're going to look at today is the story of, of a few of these Israeli, these these young men that were taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar and how they responded while they were in that place of captivity. So what I want you to write down, if you're taking notes today, today we're going to talk about taking one big move. Just one big move. I'm sure all of us can remember different times in our lives when 
we had to make a decision of whether we were going to move or stay in place. And a lot of us remember those big moves in life, right? The big moves like when you proposed to your wife or you took on that job or you made that move. I think about some of the big moves in my life. There were things like, well, when I answered the call to ministry, when I made the decision to to give up all of my scholarships to pursue a a liberal arts degree and, and to go to Bible school instead and to pursue ministry full time and I think about the first time that I, I went on my first missions trip, even though I was really intimidated by that. I was a little scared of that. And, and how that opened up the door for me where I got to travel all around the world. I love missions now. But that was a big move when I first took that move. Of course, the move when I, when I pursued Cody and, and went after her heart. And, and I'm so glad that I did because I'm married way up, y'all. I mean, way out of my league. And I'm thankful for that. But there's big moves that I've had to make in my life. When we made the decision to move to Arkansas, that was a big move for us. A big move. In fact, when we made the decision to move here to Cabot, that was a big move for us. Because we were, we were loving doing what we were doing in ministry. We were, we were happy where we were in Conway. And we had our group of friends and all that. It was a big move. But what I've noticed is, In every season of life, every time I made the decision to make that big move, I have never regretted it. I've never regretted making one of those big moves towards the things of God. There's people throughout history, they made the decision to make a big move that affected history. It changed their lives, but it changed the course of history for a lot of people around them as well. How many of you have ever heard the name Hercules Mulligan. How many of you ever heard the name Hercules Mulligan? Okay, good. Not very many of you. That's why this is such a great story. So the, Hercules Mulligan, which, by the way, is a really cool name. Uh, he was an Irish immigrant. And he was there during the colonial times. And he actually was a tailor. He made suits and jackets. And at that time, the British were occupying New York City where he was at. And he had this opportunity to either just sit back and just be a tailor and take care of all these British officers, making them jackets and suits and all that type of thing, and just doing his job and and maybe from time to time complaining to his wife about how he has to take care of the British because he didn't really like the British. He was a patriot. Or he can make the decision to make a big move. And he made the decision that he was just going to listen. And so day in and day out as he was making these coats and jackets for these British officers that were coming through, he would just listen. Eventually the Revolutionary War started. He continued in his job and he was faithful in his job. And he listened to these men. And every once in a while he would hear pertinent information about strategy that was going to happen within the war. And he would pass that on to the colonial army. And give that information. The amazing thing is this. That because of his willing to make a big move. To not just be settled. But to to be willing to step out of his comfort zone. Even within his daily job. Because he was willing to make a big move. To leak that information. To get the information to colonial army. On two separate occasions. He saved the life of one General George Washington. Who became the first president of the United States. I think that that's amazing. Here's the amazing thing is it's somebody that you've never even heard of. The fact of the matter is that a big move doesn't always look like a big move to us, but 
What makes it big is if God has asked us to make it. No matter how big or small the move seems to be, if we are obedient, God is going to use it. And because this Irish immigrant made a move, was obedient in that move, we're all here today. We may not even be here right now if it weren't for him. Or maybe we would have been, but we'd all have British accents. We drink our Coca-Cola room temperature, which is not godly, and there wouldn't be any sweet tea, which is really not godly. But because he made the move that he made, it changed the course of history. And today I want to ask all of you to do two things. One, be willing to make that big move. But the other thing is just as important, you've got to be looking for that big move every day. You've got to look for that. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, be willing to look for that move. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily matter if it feels big or small to you. See, a lot of times we think the big move is going to lead to us being the hero of the story. But Hercules wasn't the hero of the story. But sometimes what the big move means is we're setting someone up to be the hero of the story. And in my opinion, that makes the story even stronger. It's an even stronger story that someone that seemed insignificant actually got to set up someone else to be successful. And I think that that's what God would want us to be as well. So we're going to dive into this reading in Daniel chapter 3. And where they're at at this point, King Nebuchadnezzar, man, he's, he's a tyrant. I mean, he is a tyrant. Uh, he's a bad dude. But he has made the decision that he wants to build this big statue to himself, 90 feet tall, 9 foot wide, made out of gold. And he has passed a decree that everyone... Every nation, every tongue, every language, every person had to bow and worship this golden idol. Well, these three friends who were from Israel, these three Jewish men, they made the decision to make a big move that they were not going to bow down to this idol. That they were only going to worship the one true God. And here's the thing. These three friends had a lot of influence around King Nebuchadnezzar because of the favor of God on their life. Because of how they operated. Even within an ungodly nation, they walked in a godly manner and gained influence with King Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. Uh, These guys make a big move towards the things of God. So let's read this, starting in verse 4, chapter 3. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people, nations, and language, that you... That when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every other kind of music, that you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, Bagpipe and every other kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I want to ask three questions today, and then we're going to answer the questions. But these are important questions for us to ask. The first question is this. What are you bowing down to? What are you bowing down to? In the times of the kings, and and even now, if there's a king or queen in a monarchy... When someone would come before the king or queen, they would bow down. And essentially, this is a symbol of saying, your life is more important than my life. 
I'm going to subjugate myself to your rule and to your reign. And one of the places that we see this in our culture today is anytime a man proposes to a woman, he gets down, he bows low, he says, I'm going to esteem your life above my life. You're going to be more important than me for the rest of my life. Side note, ladies, if you ever find a man that's not willing to do that for you, steer clear. And men, be careful you don't bow down to the wrong woman. Or you will serve a tyrant for the rest of your life. (laughs) But these guys made the decision that they were not going to bow down to this idol because they realized what it was going to cost them. What are some of the things that we join with the world in bowing down to? How about addiction? Substance addiction. Pornography. Some major issues in addiction, a lot of it is attributed to our smartphones. Man, our smartphones are more connected to more addiction now than, than almost anything else that we have in our lives, if you think about it. What about acceptance? We bow to that. We bow to say, man, it's, it's more important to me what my boss thinks about my job performance than my relationship with my family. Or, or maybe... We're more worried about the comments on our Facebook than we are worried about the countenance of our family. Whether or not they know that we love them, that we're spending time with them. I've been guilty of that before. Maybe it's insecurity. Just worried about what everybody's thinking about you. Maybe you bow down to shame. Just being controlled by your past. Living life in the rearview mirror, the mistakes that you made, and you're still bowing to that. Uh, maybe it's, it's some sort of bitterness, unforgiveness that you're bowing down to. To that person that is probably not in a place to ask for forgiveness and, and maybe certainly doesn't deserve it. But maybe you're bowing down. Worry and fear, where you're just consumed with that. I see this controlling people all the time, where they're just so wrapped up, the fear and the worry of what's going to happen. Materialism. We've bowed to that. It's not bad to own things as long as those things don't own you. But sometimes they do. And so we bow our knees to those things. But what helps us overcome? The answer, you got to stand with Jesus. Stand with Jesus. This is what is so amazing about the God that we serve. You see, Jesus, he bowed to us so that when we bow to him, he can lift us up to stand with him. It's the only religion that exists that where we serve a God who says, if you will bow to me, then I will invite you to stand with me. It is amazing. That that's what he does with our lives. And when you remember this, you don't have to bow down to anything in your life when you know who you're standing with. When you know who you're standing with, you don't have to bow down to anything. And I think that perspective is so important to remember as we watch other people bow down to everything that's around them. I think another important question, what do you need to step out of? What do you need to step out of in your life? 
You may be standing with Christ, but you need to step out. These three friends made the decision that they weren't just going to stand, but they were going to step out from the crowd. They're going to step out of that place of comfort in their own lives. We have to step out of different things in our lives. And I think one of the biggest things is stepping out of your comfort zone. They stepped out of their comfort zone. They went before a king who had the power to kill them on the spot. But they stepped out from the crowd. This is what it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If, if this is to be so, if, it is, if it's going to happen, you're going to throw us in the fiery furnace. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but it be known, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Okay, now I want you to notice something. And I think this is really, really practical to where we're at right now. They showed a tremendous amount of honor and respect to King Nebuchadnezzar. In spite of the fact that they completely disagreed with what he was asking them to do. The way that he addressed them, the way that he, they spoke about him, the way that they would handle themselves in public around other people, it was always with honor and respect for the king, even though they completely disagreed with the way he was ruling and what he was asking them to do. But with honor and confidence, they said, O king, we respect you. We respect you. But we're not accountable to you, ultimately. We're not going to bow down. What do you have to step out of? You've got to step out of what's comfortable. You've got to step out of what's comfortable. Some of you right now, you're surrounded with friends and people that only speak death into you. They're only negative. They don't encourage you. It's time to step out from some of those relationships and some of those friendships. Some of you are so busy in your life and your schedule and all the activities that you have going on that you, you barely have time for anything else. You barely have time to pray. You barely have time to worship God. You, you may barely even have time to come to church. It may be time to step out of a few things and step out of that comfortable, monotonous routine so that you can have more time for what's really important. And some of you, you have gotten really comfortable in that place of bitterness and holding a grudge towards other people. It's time to step out of that comfort zone and forgive. Make the decision. Step out from that place. Some of us were watching people around us that are hurting and lost and without Jesus. And we just step or we stay on the sideline. We just stay on the bench. We don't get in to the game and do our part Maybe it's because we don't feel like our part is significant, that we can't really make a difference. So it's just easier to stay in that place of comfort because we're just hoping that maybe things will just change in spite of us. Some of you may know I'm a big fan of the San Antonio Spurs. Love them, hate them, whatever. But this is what I love about that team. 
Coach Popovich, okay, he's one of the most incredible coaches. He's very rude to media, but and it's funny to me. But he, he, what he does is he takes these guys. He takes these superstar guys that think they're all that, and he takes no-name guys, and he brings them into a system and convinces them that if they will play a specific role, they will win games. And so every one of these guys, they just accept They come into the system, they accept their role. Their role may be you go out there and you rebound, and that's all I want you to do. Don't try to shoot it, don't try to dribble it, you just rebound. Some of them, it's you go and you just set picks. You set screens for guys, and that's all I want you to do. But as every person goes and accepts their role and steps into that role, guess what? They are the most winning franchise of all sports in all of history. If your coach told you that if you would just get in the game and do your role, that you could win the game, would you be willing to do it? Because what I'm trying to do today is to coach you to say, it doesn't matter if you think your role is important or insignificant. I promise you, if you will get in and you will do what God has gifted you to do and play your role, we will win the game. If you'll do it. If you'll get in. If you'll get off the bench, if you'll get off the sideline, if you're willing to take a big move and get in there and just do that part, we're going to win the game. And I think that that's what God is trying to encourage us with today. What do you need to step out of that's comfortable? You know, in culture, for way too long, I feel like we've just, we've just tried to stay put and expect that the world is just going to change around us. It doesn't work that way. In order to lead, you have to move. You have to take a step. If you notice, you know, a lot of times I love meeting people that are coming from other countries, even if they're, if they're, they're coming as tourists or whatever. If I'm at tourist locations and I'll meet someone from Europe or something like that, I love talking to them. I love talking about all the reasons why they like coming to America. The reasons why they love coming to America is because America has things that they don't have where they're from. So they get in a plane, they fly over the ocean, and they come over to experience things that they can't experience where they live. Things like free refills. America. (laughs) Chips and salsa. America. The Grand Canyon. America. New York City. America. The doggum double bacon cheeseburger. Hashtag America. <laughs> they don't fly over the ocean to come experience the same thing that they already have where they live. They come to experience something different. Why would anybody want to join the Christian faith if the Christian faith looks exactly what, what they already have? Why would anyone want to become a Christ follower if we in relationships and gossip, just like the rest of culture does? Why would anyone want to join the kingdom of God and the Christian faith if we talk, text, and post to social media just like the rest of culture does? If we want people to want to join what we have, we need to look different than what everyone else has. And that takes a bold move of stepping out of your comfort zone, to see that place. This is what I believe, though. 
I believe if we can be a part of a church that is willing to, with everything that they have, to sacrifice what is comfortable, we can shift a culture. If we are willing to step out and to sacrifice everything that is comfortable, then I believe we will see significant change in our cities and communities in this state and in this nation. We can change a culture because we'll be walking with Jesus. We'll be stepping out. Question three, what should you be walking in? What should you be walking in? Verse 21, then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, which was the first hashtag lit. I mean, literally. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took them up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not throw three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. The answer to the question, walk in your purpose. Walk in your purpose. A lot of times we have this path to look to walk, but it looks like we're walking straight into the middle of a fire. And I see way too many people, they just turn back. They abandon. They settle for something less, something less intimidating, something less scary than what they're called to do. And now let me make something very clear here before you misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that any person in here quit their job or their school, sell everything they own, and move to some country like Djibouti to become a full missionary for the rest of their lives. I'm not suggesting that, but what I am suggesting is in whatever job, whatever family, whatever marriage, whatever place of employment that you have, that you look for the path of your purpose in that place, and you lead in your purpose in that place, whatever it is. You lead in it. You walk in your purpose. Look for the big move that you can make every day. And don't be afraid to walk through the fire to get to what God has for you. Because here's the encouraging part. When you muster up the strength to walk through the fire into your purpose in whatever area of life that you're in, God is going to be walking with you. God is going to walk with you. And something amazing will happen because of your obedience in that purpose. Every time. God's actually going to build you into a stronger person because of the fire. Because of the furnace. Because of the crucible. He's going to make you an even better person. A stronger person than you would have been if you avoided the fire. Walk in your purpose. It says that the only thing that burned on them were the things that were binding them. The only things that burned off of them were the ropes that bound them. When you walk in the furnace of your purpose, 
the only thing that will ever burn off are the things that bind you. If you will walk in the fire of your purpose, the only thing that's going to be removed from you are the things that bind you. And Jesus is going to walk with you. He's going to be right there with you. Over the years, I've seen how walking in my purpose has removed bonds from my own life. For a long time, before I answered the call to ministry, before I walked into my purpose, I was consumed with insecurity, with a fear of rejection. I mean, it literally would petrify me, the idea that someone would reject me. I was emotional about it. Even when I was in school, if I would worry about the look that someone would give me or just that if someone was having a sidebar conversation, I was so worried that they were talking about me in some negative way. Just completely gripped with insecurity and the fear of acceptance that people would reject me. But the moment that I began to step into my purpose, the word of God became a lot more than a book of rules. It became a book of relationship and it changed my life forever. And it gave me a confidence. And as people spoke purpose into me, and as people believed in my eternal purpose, that insecurity and that fear went away. I'm not insecure anymore about what people think about me. I'm only concerned about what what God thinks about me and what he's called me to be. We've got to walk in our purpose. I believe that this is what will happen to you too. If you can make a big move to step into your purpose, God is gonna burn some bondage off of your life. He's gonna set you free from some things. Jesus is gonna walk through that fire with you. And at the end of the day, it's gonna make you a stronger, better person. And guess what? The world is watching. They're going to see and God will get the glory And when these men stepped out of this furnace and King Nebuchadnezzar bowed before them, declaring that the God that they served was the one true God and said a proclamation that everyone should recognize who the one true God is. Because they stood up, they stepped out. They walked in their purpose. God used them. There's this movie, The Patriot. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie, The Patriot? Mel Gibson, man, it's such a great movie. Violent, though. Don't watch it with the kiddos. But in the, in the end of this movie, they're attacking the British, and the British forces are overwhelming, and so they start to retreat. And, and the person carrying the flag retreated as well. The, the person that would carry the flag in wartime, it was a place of honor. They were willing, though, to sacrifice their life because most of the time they wouldn't be able to carry a weapon. They could only carry the flag. And so that was them basically saying, this flag is more important than my life. What this flag represents is more important than my life, and I honor this. And so they would carry that, and that would stay at the front. It would establish the front line. And the other reason why they would have the flag is it would help everyone that was marching to know what direction they needed to go because they could see the flag above all 
everybody else's head, everything else that was going on. They could see that flag. And so wherever the flag would move, they knew that they would need to move in that direction. But at one point in this movie, in this story, the flag was retreating. The line had given. And so Mel Gibson's character grabs the flag and he begins to charge forward back towards the British, yelling and screaming, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. I think that that is a great picture of what God is asking us to do. I think God is asking us, please hold the line. What's way more important though than the flag of our nation is the cross of Jesus Christ. And God has asked us to take up our cross. And if you don't take it up for any other reason than to honor the cross, guess what? You'll honor the cross, but by carrying the cross, you're gonna help other people see the way. You'll help other people around you find their purpose and destiny if you're willing to make that big move. Because here's the deal. We're finishing out the year. The holidays come around, and I feel like for me, maybe some of you can relate to this. I'm like, okay, we just got to get through the holidays. We get through the holidays, and then we have New Year's, and that's when we can start over again. That's when we get to hit reset. That's when we get to get a fresh start. But here's the thing. This is what I know without a shadow of a doubt. If you don't make the decision to make the big move now, you're going to be back in the same spot again 12 months from now. And there's no reason for you to live life like that. There's way way more than just living a life where you settle the status quo. Make the big move. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray together. I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you're ready to respond to him and who he is, or maybe you just need to rededicate your life to him, I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. If you're here today and you're ready to make the decision to come to Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up right now all over this room, and I want to pray with you. Anybody in this place, I need to come to Jesus this morning. I need to give my life to him. I need to bow my knee to him. Anybody in this place? Okay. All right. Father God, for any person that's in that place right now, I thank you, God, that your spirit is speaking to them. If you're making that decision, You just simply say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And right now, I I bow my life to you, my knee to you, as my Lord and my Savior. Come and heal me, set me free. Help me to understand my purpose. As I stand with you, help me to walk with you into my purpose. I thank you, God, that when we submit ourselves to that place, that you raise us up with you to stand with you. It's an amazing picture. We thank you for that. I also just want to give you an opportunity. If you know that you have some of those bondages in your life, it may be something that I didn't mention, but you know that you have some sort of addiction. You have something that's happening in you. I want to give you a chance to make a big move, to confess those things before God. If you're here today and you know that you have some of those things that are going on and you're ready to be set free, to step out of that place, 
go ahead and put your hand up right now and I want to pray for you too if that's you if that's you come on keep your hands up keep your hands up keep your hands up Father God I lift up every one of these people to you I thank you God that right now they're declaring that they're, they're bound they've got some things that are holding them back and holding them down And I thank you that in the name of Jesus, every one of them can experience freedom in you. I thank you, God, that right now in their heart, they're standing up. They're standing up. God, I pray that you give them the strength to step out, to step out and away from whatever it is in Jesus' name. And that as they do that, they're gonna be able to find their purpose again in you. I thank you for that. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. He's good.